Well, good morning, Bethany. My name is Matt. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. I'm excited that you're a part of this series, which Evan, our campus pastor in Vincennes, kicked off, and he did such an amazing job. He had let us know about what it means to know God, and that pursuit never really ends when it comes to leveling up. You see, there's a lot of things in life that you can level up to. You can get more airline miles. You can get some credit card points to get something that you want. Maybe uh, you can level up in a video game like we've been showing on the screens. But how do you level up in your spiritual life? Because I know a lot of you are here today. You want to connect with God. You want to grow in your faith. You, you don't want to stay paused in puberty. You want to become mountains of maturity. How do you do that? And so this whole series is kind of designed to do it. But you need to know where your starting point is. I thought Evan did an excellent job last week as he put this diagram up on the screen and said, would you pinpoint yourself on this diagram? Where are you at? Are you just starting to know God? Maybe you're here today and you're exploring who God is. You're, you, you haven't made a commitment to Christ, but you're, you're just exploring. You're seeking him out. Maybe you're before that cross, which is a representation of giving ourselves up to Jesus, being baptized into Christ and start living for him. Maybe you're just new to that and you're... You're, a, you're kind of a babe in Christ. You're on the spiritual milk of sorts, and you want to get to the meat. Where, where are you on this chart? And let me just say that we overestimate ourselves. I do it all the time. And so wherever you're at, you might want to move yourself one spot back. But this thing, of it, and then I've got this question for you. Wherever you're at on this, it is where you're at where you want to be. Like that's where this comes down today. Is where you're at on that chart where you want to be? Or do, you want, or do you want to be further away? Like I know some of you are like, hey, it's not where I want to be, but thank God it's not where I was. Yeah, I get that. But is it where you want to be ultimately? Or do you want to be further down knowing who God is every single day? I've said it like this to you before. It just kind of reiterates where we're at in this sermon today. And that is, if all you want is what you've got, then you just keep doing what you're doing. But if you want something different, then you're going to have to start doing something different. Friends, that goes for every area of your life, including your spiritual life. You know, I heard the old definition of what insanity is. And that's not the true definition. It's just a layman's definition. And that's doing the same activity over and over again, thinking you're going to get a different result. Does that kind of uh, sum up your spiritual life? You just keep on repeating the hamster wheel of Sunday services, thinking something's going to change, something's going to click, but nothing ever does. And so you just are... You're impaired in your faith. You're just not making any movements whatsoever. And that's, that's not the level up life, friend. The level up life is moving, progressing towards God, knowing God. When do you ever really know an infinite God? When does that ever happen? You don't. Growing in Christ, making a difference, having an indelible impact upon your world. And, and God wants that for you. I want that for you as a pastor. And I, I know that you're in here today because you want that for yourself. You just, you just have some things that are holding you back. And if you want to know what this sermon is like in Scripture, here's where it comes from in the book of Hebrews. It's on the screens. It says, let us strip off everything that weighs us down, slows us down, especially the sin. You know there are things other than sin that can stop the Christian from pursuing who God is, from pursuing the Christian life. There's other things outside of sin, especially sin, though, that so easily entangles us, trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And what this is, it's creating this imagery that the Apostle Paul would have known from ancient Greek as the ancient Olympic runners would have ran a marathon and they would have pulled up their garments and wrapped them into their belt so their knees could move and they could run faster. And if that started to hinder them, they'd just start stripping off clothing until they were running naked. I'm not asking you to do that today. 
Like, keep the clothes on, right? There's, but there is something in your spiritual life that is holding you up. And only you know what that is. I don't know what that is. But I know what the challenge is today. The challenge is to break free from that stuff. The things that are entangling you, the things that are keeping you from passionately pursuing where you want to be and where God wants you to be as you looked at that diagram of being a solely, fully surrendered person who follows Jesus. Now, what is holding you back from that? Because there's some of the things that hold us back. What's impairing your progress? Try to define that as I talk. I'll give you like the, what I think the three big ones are as I see us at Bethany. I think the three big ones are, number one, uncommitted people. Just an uncommitment. Do you know that the Barna Research, who polls people like us Christian people, they have found out that those who say they're committed to Christ attend church a total of 23 times a year. About two times a month. It really comes down to 1.8 times a month. I don't know how you attend church 1.8 times a month. And some of you are like, well, that's me. That's about 23 hours of worship. And I just want you to consider something. Like I thought about this this last week, and I thought about all the things that I invest my time in that have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like just nothing to do with anything. Which had me thinking about my glory days. Yeah, I had some glory days, okay? Uh, they called me an athlete at one time. I'm a poor definition of what that is. But I look back and I, I realized that from junior high to high school through college, I spent about 25 to 30 hours a week practicing sports. One in particular. You know what it got me? It, it, it gave me some fun. It, it gave me some scholarship. It... Uh, it, it, uh, it gave me some trophies, which my wife just told me a few months ago that I had to throw away. I don't know why she didn't like the quarterback that was like, that was one of my favorite ones. But you know what it also gave me? Some things I'm still living with today that I wish someone told. I, 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 have, I have concussion. I've had some concussions, which probably has led to memory loss. I have a torn hamstring, which causes me basically to hold my hamstring every time I walk up a flight of steps. I have muscle atrophy in my shoulder. I could go on and on and on. Did I tell you? I have concussions. Did I tell you that? <laughs> I think about all that time I placed into that sport. Now, I got, I got something fun out of it. But I think when it all is said and done and this life starts to shut down for me and the lights start to go out, I don't think I'm ever going to say, boy, I wish I would have spent more time on the playing field. I bet you I'm going to say, I wish I spent more time in the house of the Lord. For all of you guys that match that statistic that Barton came up with like 23 times, you're, you're thinking in your head, that's me, that's me. I mean, after the vacations in the lake and the times when I just don't want to go and I'm tired and I've had a long Saturday, that's me, I get that. Can I ask, I'm going to be point blank with this question. You think that is enough time, 23 hours a year, that's going to get you from where you're at to where you know you want to be in your faith? Sometimes it's just uncommitment. Sometimes it's fear, though, because I know some of you are thinking right now, you're thinking, if I commit and I get from where I am to where I know God wants me to be and where I want to be, that's going to change some things in my life. You bet it's going to change some things in your life. It's changed some things about me, but I'm telling you, it's not for the worse, it's for the better. I mean, the difference that Christ makes in someone's life is the difference that makes you a better man, a better woman, a better person on this earth. But I know some of you are thinking, this is going to change my schedule. You bet. If you make a commitment to pursue God today, it is going to change your schedule up. Somebody like, this is going to change the way I spend my money. You bet it will. You'll start developing a heart for Christ's causes, Christ's things, and you're going to say, boy, I want my generosity to flow that way. Not these politicians anymore. I want to go to the Christ's kingdom, not, not their kingdom. 
You're going to start looking at things differently. You're going to start changing the way that you relate to some people. You're going to start looking at some relationships and say, well, these relationships these might be a little bit sketchy in my life. I don't know if Jesus would be hanging around these folks consistently as their inner crew. Hanging around with publicans and sinners, but I don't know if he would hang around with them as his, as his boys, you know. Sometimes it's just fear, because you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't have the margin in my life to be that committed. Now, I know you don't have the margin, and, and I know there's some of you right now that you are so fearful, you're thinking, this is going to change priorities, this could change friendships. If I pursue God hard, this is going to change a lot about my life. This is going to change my budget, and I, guys, here's what I'm telling you. Are you going to let fear be the thing that keeps you imprisoned to the place where you're at stagnantly, spiritually? Is that what you're going to keep you? Or are you going to pursue Christ and live in Christ and say, I don't hold to the spirit of timidity. I don't have a spirit of fear. That's not what Christ's people have, spirit of fear. I'm going to pursue God, and I'm going to live for him. I'm going to let God work out my priorities. I'm going to let God work out my budget. I'm going to let God work out some of my relationships. Now, I know i got a part to play in that, but I'm going to let God work out some of this stuff. I'm going to trust him with my tomorrow as I, as I let loose of some of my yesterdays. And I know some of you are thinking, you're like, oh, well, here we go. If I come to Jesus, if I really pour myself out into God, God's a taker. I always knew God was a taker. God's not an adder. No, God is an adder. You're forgetting who the taker is. Can I just remind you who the taker in life is? The one that some of you right now are passionately pursuing some dreams that are never going to satisfy you in the long run, not eternally. Jesus points that guy out and says, that guy's a thief. That's Satan. That's how he calls him, the thief. He comes to do what? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. But Jesus says, I came to give you life. I came to bring you an abundance. I came to add something to value to your life and life to its full so that you can live it to the full. Friends, I know that you're fearful about making some steps of commitment to Jesus because it's going to change some things in your life. I'm saying, would you just embrace the change because it's going to be a great difference for you. It's going to be an unbelievable difference like you've never experienced before. But yep, it's going to create some change in your life. I think the number one thing that Hebrews points out that keeps us back, it entangles us from living and pursuing a life that lives for Jesus is sin. Some of you are like, I don't, I hear you say that three-letter word a lot. I really don't know what it means. It's, it's kind of a tough word to define, but there's two particular passages of Scripture that define it really well. One's found in 1 John chapter 5. Here's what it says. All wrongdoing is sin. You ever done wrong? You ever done wrong? That's a question. You ever done wrong? Yes. You've sinned. Here's how the Bible puts it in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned. It tells you that Billy Graham has sinned. Mother Teresa has sinned. The Pope has sinned. Everyone but Christ himself has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. That's a, a reference to a, a marksman an archer who shoots and drawbacks his arrow and says, I've got a bullseye to hit. That's what I'm aiming for, but I've missed it. And some of you, you just barely missed it. Some of you are pretty good people, but you're not, you're not faultless people. You're not perfect people. Some of us haven't even hit the target. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you haven't hit the target. It doesn't matter if you hit the outer ring. None of us have hit the bullseye, is what the scripture is teaching us. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short. We haven't hit the bullseye. And you know how God would classify people like you and me, those that haven't hit the bullseye? He doesn't call us failures. You know what he calls us? Evil doers. I know that's not how you think of yourself. You think, okay, I know I missed the mark in some ways here, but to, to say what I have done in missing the mark is evil? No way. God says, Yahweh. Yahweh. You've missed it. You have missed the mark. So, 
So God would look at you and he would say, it doesn't matter if you're a murderer or if you're a liar. It doesn't matter if you're a, a lustful man or a homosexual. It doesn't matter if you've cheated on a test or cheated on your spouse. It doesn't matter if you've gossiped or you've been intoxicated over the weekend, every weekend. It doesn't matter what that is. Here's how Jesus would state it to you like this. He did. He said, all these evil things, all these evil things. He has a, he has a list just so like people like me and you who try to judge ourselves compared to other people would say, I'm not evil compared to. He says, no, 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 all, all these evil things begin inside people, in the mind, evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, evil actions, lying, doing sinful things, jealousy, speaking evil of others, pride, foolish living, all these things, he probably could have said all these things and more, all these evil things come from the inside and make people unclean. This comes from you and me from the inside. This is an inside job that happens with us. And God classifies all sin as evil and all sinners as evil doers. And I think it's time to start defining sin God's way rather than how we want to define sin. God, it, God has looked at sin and says, i, I got to do something very serious here. That's why he sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. You couldn't, you couldn't save yourself, so he sent us Jesus to save us from our sins. And today, I'm, I'm telling you, you got a choice to make. It's an unbelievable day of grace, guys, when you just think about this for a moment, that God says today, you can get, you can get your rear end gear today spiritually. You can make this thing click for you today. I know you just looked at where you want to be. God says, this is the day that you can make that happen. Like, you get a free man today. You get a one-up. You get a mulligan. We can just start fresh. When I, when I was younger, I played a lot of video games as a kid, a lot of video games. My thumbs got an extra workout. One game that I played a lot was on the Nintendo Entertainment System. The old NES was a game called Contra. Anybody know that game, right? Yeah, 1988, I think this game came out. And I discovered that I stunk at that game. It's like a run-and-gun game. You just kind of like shoot everything you can. Anything that's shooting you, you shoot them back, and you get three lives to get it done. I couldn't get it done in three lives. Then I discovered there's what's called a cheat code. That solved, that solved it for me. So here I'm as some like peewee sixth grader with a cheat code Contra, I could get 30 men if I just went up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Some of you are like, huh? <laughs> oh, I know a lot of other things, too. I can remember my freshman year combination, 36-9-3. Now you know, too. You can get into it also. <laughs> I needed that code. I needed that code to beat that game to impress my friends. Because I couldn't get done with what was given to me. I need more chances. I need more fresh starts, free men, one-ups, whatever you want to call it, mulligans. I don't care how you label it. I need another chance. You know what God says? In a sense, God says, I got a, I got a code kind of like that for your life, but you got to work through it. And if you're willing to work through it, go for it. David, a guy in the Bible, some of you know are aware of this guy because he was a notorious sinner, but as much as he was a notorious sinner, he was a man that loved God and wanted to pursue God. Did you know you could be both of those things? Isn't that crazy? You can, be both, you can be a notorious sinner, but be a man or a woman that, that pursues God. And he found himself in a bit of a trap. Because one day he started being lazy in his faith. He saw a woman across the way who wasn't his wife. He took notice of her and says, boy, I want her. I can't handle the lust in my heart. And he took her, uh, became an adulterous man with her. She became pregnant with his kid. And to cover all that up, she was married to an honorable man named Uriah, he had Uriah murdered. Anybody here ever done anything like that? Okay, good, because I would have called the police on you. <laughs> you shouldn't be here. 
And God looks at that guy and he says, yeah, David, you messed up. And he knows he's messed up. Like he knows he has ruined things. He says, this is not who I want to be. I don't want to be an adulterer. I don't want to be a murderer. Like this is, this is not how I planned life. I have fallen into this stuff. It has ensnared me. Like that's how sin works. It ensnares us. I want to pursue God, but I'm not. Not pursuing God. I feel trapped. And he comes up with this one word, this one word that is like the code word in a sense. That word is repent. Oh, it's such a beautiful word. Anybody that's been in the military before knows what repent is like as the sergeant says about face. You're heading in one direction and you turn and move to a new direction. You've forgotten the direction behind you because you've been called to something new, something better, a new purpose, a new line of attack. The word repent. You, you find this in the book of Acts, stated like this in Acts chapter 3, very famously, repent then and turn to God. Do the about face. Run to God. Don't let anything ensnare you so that the sins may be wiped out. That's what holds most of us back. That times of refreshing may come. When's the last time you just had a peace that surpasses all understanding in your life? When is the last time that you felt the joy of the Lord present in your life? When's the last time you just relaxed and said, God and I are square. I know that I'm running hard towards him and these things aren't tripping me up. That, that may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you. That a savior has been appointed for you. You're, you're worthy of Christ's sacrifice, of Jesus' sacrifice. As a matter of fact, it's been stated like this before. Even if you're the only one who has ever sinned and it was one sin, even if you considered a little sin, Jesus would have come and died for you. So that the Messiah who's been appointed, Jesus, even Jesus, would have come for you. Now I want to pair that up with that guy we just talked about named David. Because David, I want you to kind of see his confessional piece. It's found in Psalm 51. And I want to take some things from that. And I just want to show you how daily we can live in this. And we can start to level up. And we can start to break free some from the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we're living in. And say, God, I'm going to pursue you today. I've always wanted to pursue you like that. But things have been holding me back. Look at Psalm 51. David says, Wash away my iniquity. It's a big word for sin. Like he's just taking the gravity of it and saying all these sins of all time, of all my life have been placed on me. And would you cleanse me from my sin? Like wash it away. He's talking about two different things here. He's washing away and cleansing. We're going to get deeper into that in just a little bit. What I want to take from that is something that I think is, is so needed to hear. And that is I need to, you need to, as a Christian, make a daily choice to put to death our old sin nature. I'm like, what is the sin nature? You know, there is a thought in theology, it's one that we don't believe in here, called total depravity. Total depravity would mean that you and I were just born as sinners. And from the moment we were born, God's wrath was upon us because we were full of sin, because our parents were full of sin. Well, we don't believe that here because we believe that God knit us together in our mother's womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We do believe that we are inclined to sin, meaning that our default mode is selfishness. You see that in the kids, don't you? I don't have to explain that to any parent. You don't teach a child selfishness, do you? No, you, you try a long time to teach your child not to be selfish, to be selfless and to, to, and to share. And so we have this inclination. So as we've been born into toxic waters, in a sense, we know and experience the toxicity of this life, and we're kind of bent towards it, in a sense. The Bible would teach it like this that we have two natures. We have a sinful nature. That means that we have an allure towards things that are not of God. And we have a spiritual nature, which means we have an allure to the things that are of God. You ever felt this way? 
Oh, you know, it's like the civil war of your heart, the civil war of your mind. You know what's good and you know what's right and you want that, but you just can't bring yourself to do that, the struggle of the sin nature and the spirit nature. The Apostle Paul experiences time and time again. He tells us about the civil war in his heart in the book of Romans chapter 7. He says, I don't really understand myself. Felt that way before? Like, I don't even know who I am right now. I don't really understand myself or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do what I hate. Meaning, I, I want to pursue God. I, I, I put myself on that diagram. I know where I'm at, and I know where I, I need to be, but I just don't find myself doing it. Matter of fact, I find myself backsliding a lot. My sinful nature is taking charge. And just so you're aware, even when you come to Christ and you kill that stuff off, that sin nature, the Bible tells us, still stays there, kind of left as dormant innocence, like a zombie waiting to crawl, climb back out of the grave. And, and that's, that's why. That's why. That's why it frightens you at times. When you're following Christ and then that sin nature raises its ugly head, and I'm telling you, it's not because of your badness. I'm telling you, it's probably because of your awayness. You just, you just probably have fallen away from God, fallen away from his people. It's not because of your badness. This is, this is, this is why a, a teenager is instinctively rebellious. This is why a spouse will leave a happy, happy marriage, loving marriage, and, and for a momentary act of pleasure. This is why... Some of you are inclined to gamble. Some of you are inclined to view pornography, uh, flirt with someone who's not your spouse. It's this appetite that we have that the sin nature causes within us. And I'm telling you, the more that we walk with God, the closer that we get to Jesus, the more that we're walking in line with the Spirit, the more that that stuff starts to fade in our life. Guys, I'm not here to tell you that you're going to be sinless, but I am telling you, the more you walk with God, you're going to be sinning less and less and less. And as a pastor, I want that for you. And God says, I want that for you. I need to make the daily choice to put to death my sin nature. You know, also what we need to do is what David did here in Psalm 51 and verse 7. He says, cleanse me with hyssop. This was a, a ritual that was being done by, by, by the Jews so that they could go and worship in the temple. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. It was an exterior wash. It was like a bathing process. We don't do that anymore. Jesus has fulfilled that through the scriptures. Wash me, he says, and I'll be whiter. No, there's two, two cleansings here. One's an internal thing. One's an external thing. The external thing just simply means God, David saying, I haven't been worshiping lately, God. You know I haven't been in your house lately, God. Sin has kept me from that. Haven't you discovered in your own life that not out of badness but out of awayness, the more that you're away, the harder it is to step into a place like this. Some of you have discovered that. The longer you're away, the harder it is to step into a place like this. And David felt that way. He said, I don't want to be that guy. That's not who I want to be. God, I want to connect with you in worship again. Would you cleanse me on the exterior? Do the ceremonial washing and interiorly, in my heart, the guilt that I'm feeling, the regret that I'm feeling for the things that I've done, would you just wash me clean? Would you just make me whole again? You know what I get from this? That I need to daily, daily release my past and take steps forward in my faith. Just to daily say, past, that's not who I'm going to be anymore. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. I'm going to be what I am desiring to be, a man or a woman after God's own heart. I'm here to tell you that you don't get there by chance. You only get there by change. And I think the problem that we have, not just at Bethany, just Christians in general, we just think that somehow it's going to click for us one day and we don't have to make any changes in our life. And God calls us, God calls us to his cross. And he says, take up daily 
my cross. And a cross is an instrument of death, of sacrifice. And he's saying, guys, listen, I know you want to pursue God, but there is a level of sacrifice to this. And you can't be casual in your Christianity. And you can't be fearful. In your, and you can't continue to sin as you walk with the Savior. You've got to relieve that stuff, release that stuff, and run the race that God has marked out for you. Friends, sin's power isn't broken if you live in inconsistent faith. If your faith is it's just not I, I play an instrument, I play the guitar. Every single day I practice the guitar. To the annoyance of my wife, I practice that guitar. And at minimally 15 minutes a day. And what I've discovered is if I just miss one day, if I miss one day, it will backtrack me. If I miss a week, I'm in trouble. If I miss a month, man, I, it's hard to get back to. I'm telling you, for some of you in this room, it's just that same, same thing. You miss one moment with God, and you can feel it. You miss the next moment, and you just say, ah. Oh. And you keep missing those moments, and I'll tell you what. You get to a place of stagnation, and you wonder if you ever pick it up again. That's where David was. That's where some of you are. You can't, you can't conquer sin on your own. You can't conquer it when you're just inconsistent. You can't conquer it by just thinking, hey, I'm going to get some friends around me. We're going to solve this thing. No, no, no. Your willpower ain't going to get it done. Your friend power ain't going to get it done. You're going to need God's spirit in your life to get this done. You're just going to say, God, I surrender your spirit, yield to your spirit, and I'm going to accept that sin has an allure on me. But Jesus, I want you to have a greater lure in my life. I'm going to draw close to you rather than being unplugged from the power source. David, David, admits, David admits in Psalm 119 that the reason why he was disconnected in his faith was because he was disconnected with God because he just didn't do two priority things that every one of us who call ourselves Christians should be doing. And that is speaking to God in prayer and letting God speak to us through his written word. And David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That wasn't until after he committed these sins. And he says, I don't want to go back to that anymore. And I've got a solution to this. I'm going to stay close with God. I'm just going to bury God's word right here. I'm going to let God speak to me every single day. Think how your life would be completely changed if you just let God speak to you daily. Instead of letting all this worldly stuff speak into your life. That 24-hour news cycle. That talk radio. Those television commercials. People in the office with bad advice. Well, if you just let God start speaking into your life. Because on that diagram, isn't he the one that you want to pursue the most? Isn't he the one that you want to follow? See, when we surrender to Jesus, he starts chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus, and he makes us whole, he makes us complete. I just need to daily release my past and say, I don't want to be that man, that woman that I used to be. I want to step forward in faith. I want to make a move here today. That's what David says, cleanse me, get me back to you, God. I just want to remember that joy. Get back into Psalm 51, look at verse 10 with me. Here's what David says, create in me a pure heart. This is this terminology you're saying, let's just start new. Some of you in this room, you feel that way. You're like, I just Things have been such a mess. I've made such a mess. I've created so many problems and so many ripples in my life. And I feel like I'm, in a, I'm just in a pit right now. I just need a, a fresh start. Can we just start something? David says, I feel that way. Create in me a pure heart. Let's just start here, God. Start new here and renew something, a steadfast spirit within me. And David's cry is, can we just get back to level one? Can we just get back to level one? Because he feels like it's game over. 
what, what a sad place. And I have, to, I have to read that, and I'm thinking about you right now. I'm thinking there's some of you right now, you think it's game over. Like, God doesn't want me, damaged goods. Why would, why? I've had, I've had my chance. Like, we hear God is a God of second chances all the time. And you're thinking, it's just, I've ran, I've, I'm here just to get the guilt off. But I, I don't think I'll ever really reconnect again just because of my lifestyle right now. And as Jesus steps up, he says, you got, a, you got another day today. Today you get a free man. You, you, get a, you get a step into grace today. And that thing that you've always wanted to walk close with God, that could be yours today. It's, just, it's something that you have to choose for yourself. It's going to change. Yes, it's going to make some change and some, some things in your life that, that are not going to be normal for you, but they're going to be right for you. They're going to be righteous for you. And I think really what it comes down to, what David is saying, is I just need to start pursuing God's plan for my life than the empty plan that I had for my own life. Like David's plan for his own life made a mockery of what he wanted for himself. And he just says, God, I surrender to your plan. I don't want my plan anymore. Second Timothy, God's word says, he has saved us. God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Some of us say, we're striving to be more like Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. God says, ah, the plan for your life should be that you're called to be like Jesus. A call is like a way to say you're commanded to be like Jesus. You're commanded to be holy. Now, that's some big terminology right there. That means you're not going to live by the same standards you've been living by. You're going to start living the way Jesus lived. You're going to start talking and walking the way Jesus talked and walked and lived his life. That's going to, that's going to make some changes to your morality, changes to your lifestyle. Are you catching on what I'm laying down here? There's going to be some things that are going to be different in your life if you're going to passionately pursue God because he's called us to Holiness. Holiness. He's called us to hit the bullseye, to make our, our arrow count, to make our life matter, not to throw ourselves into some kind of empty dream or empty scheme, but to make it count and to not live our life in vain. He's called you, he's called me to live a holy lifestyle. And some of you know the process. It goes from bad to good, from, from good to great, from great to godly. That's what he's called us to. And I don't know where you're in on that pattern. If you're bad or you're moving to good, you're going good to great, and you're going great to godly, but he's called us to godly, not to be caught up just somewhere as good. Good ain't good enough for God. He wants us as saints. That's what he calls us, saints. That's a term for perfect, spotless. I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, it's not the badness in me, it's the awayness in me. And I, I would say for the most of us that want to, to, to pursue God, it's not the badness in us, it's the awayness in us. We just haven't made the commitment to Christ like we know we should, we should make. And there's some sacrifices that today you're going to have to wrestle with. And I've got three questions as we kind of close this out today. The questions are pretty simple. One is, what am I doing that I should not be doing? Like, what, is it, what am I doing in my life that I should not be doing? The second one should say, what am I not doing that I should be doing? should say, what am I not doing? What am I not doing that I should? What is it that I should be doing? And then here's the third question. Why not start today? Like, why can't you remove some things? Why can't you get some things started? What, what, what's the hang-up? What's, what's entangling you from running with perseverance towards God? 
I just want you to think for a moment how great your life would be if you just pursued God like you want and like God wants for you with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, with all that you are. Think of the incredible joy. Think of the peace that you'd have as you make an alignment with God if you just break free from some of the stuff that's been holding you back for too long, that has been impairing your faith, that has been paused on puberty of your faith. Finally, David experiences this great breakthrough and says, God, I, I, I'm experiencing what it means to repent and to move towards you. And here's what he says in verse 12 and 13 of Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. There's great joy there and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I love this line. Then, then I will teach transgressors your way so that the sinners will turn back to you. Would you make my life impactful on others? Would you use me as a vessel to say that God not only deals in second chances, God is the God of infinite grace. And may my life be such a turnaround moment, such a breakthrough moment that people look at me and say, praise God for what he's done in the life of David because if he's done that in crazy old David, he can do that in me. Man, may your life be lived that way. That this day is the turnaround day. Well, people will look to you and say, praise God for the work that's being done in your life. And if he could do that work in your life, he could surely do the work in my life too. What's holding you back for pursuing God that way? And Jesus has come so that you could have this day of grace to pursue God. So if it's a sin in your life today, God says, would you confess that to him? If it's a hurt habit or hang-up today, there are pastors here on staff that will walk with you to release that stuff so that you can pursue God passionately.